So today, almost every website is collecting behavioral information, where you're clicking, how long you're in various places, and so forth. So the scope of the GDPR is much broader than most American organizations realize. So they need to take a good hard look at whether they fall within the scope of the GDPR. Yep, that's right. There's a good chance your American company falls within the scope of GDPR but isn't compliant. That's a problem because GDPR becomes fully enforceable May 25th, and it involves some pretty steep penalties. Hi, I'm Joe Lee from Brown University's School of Professional Studies. I recently interviewed Deborah Hurley, a lawyer by trade, Harvard Fellow, and seminal player over the last 30 years in the development of international standards for information security. In this episode, we talk about what she likes to call the seven stages of GDPR. What is GDPR? Let's begin with the definition. The GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. It's a regulation of the European Union. It applies to the 28 member countries of the European Union, and it's a regulation, so it has direct effect. It becomes law in all of those 28 member union member countries on May 25th, 2018. And it replaces something that was called the Data Protection Directive, which was in place for about 20 years. Okay, May 25th, that's the big day. Got it. GDPR becomes fully enforced. With that in mind, why don't you tell us about your seven stages of GDPR? Right. So with the seven stages of grief, as people know, there's the shock and denial phase, then the pain and guilt phase, and the anger and bargaining are the first three phases. So the shock and denial phase with regard to GDPR after it was adopted in 2016, so there was a two-year implementation phase before it becomes fully enforceable on May 25th, 2018, to allow countries and governments to get their legislation in order, to become compliant with it, and so forth. So in the shock and denial phase, the initial phase after the GDPR was adopted in 2016, American companies in particular just put up their hands and said, this doesn't apply to me. That's sort of the denial. Then we've moved over the course of these 24 months into the pain and guilt phase. You know, why is this, you know, going, you know, why does it apply to me? Why do I have to deal with it? You know, what's going on that I, that's, you know, what's it going to cost me to put the GDPR in, in place or to comply with this? And then we've moved into the anger and bargaining phase, which consists of, you know, who do they think they are? I'm an American. How dare they tell me, you know, what the law is or what I have to comply with? Also, there are penalties, which we'll be talking about later. And so one of the parts of the anger and bargaining is, well, you know, they're only going to go after the big fish. They won't bother with me which isn't necessarily true. And then now we've moved, as we move very close to uh, the GDPR going into full effect, to a lot of American companies saying, I'm good, I'm compliant, when actually they're not. So we've seen that kind of trajectory. Okay, so all of those stages sound remarkably unpleasant. I'm personally looking forward to the next stage, upward turn. That's right. So as we move through the seven stages of grief around in the middle, we reach the upward turn. And that's where we're getting to now. So if we think about protection of privacy and personal data, there are really two big underlying themes that undergird the entire field. And those are, first of all, the locus of control and ownership of the personal data. Who owns and or controls the personal data? And that's the question. 
within the European Union or within the United States. These are open questions, especially in the United States. There's also the issue of proportionality. Is the solution, whether it's a law or a technical measure, whatever it is, in any way proportional to the problem that you're trying to address, this idea of proportionality? So as we move through the GDPR and thinking about compliance, it's very important to keep these two underlying themes in mind. So how did we get here? Why do we have a GDPR? How did we get here? So it's very common for people in the technology space to be what I call dazzled by the goods They're constantly saying, wow, this is brand new, unlike anything we've ever seen before. We don't know how to think about it. But actually, on the contrary, the GDPR is not entirely new, even though you may have heard that. It it didn't come from nowhere. It's actually part of a continuum that's been going on for over 40 years in terms of legislation to protect personal data and privacy. So it is an incremental increase or an incremental amendment of a global trend that's been going on for 40 years. So it's really that kind of continuum rather than something altogether different. And it's important for people to realize that. The other thing for Americans to realize is that this global trend was begun by the United States. The United States shot an arrow into the air by developing the FIPS, the Fair Information Practices, in 1973, and then went around the world evangelizing and encouraging other countries to adopt data protection legislation. That was incredibly successful. Today, over 100 countries around the world have data protection legislation, and the United States, in the meantime, has become the outlier of this very strong global trend. So actually, global privacy and personal data protection is an American story, and there are a lot of American characters connected with it, beginning with Eleanor Roosevelt, continuing with Louis Brandeis, and on into the present day. So there were the 1973 Fair Information Practices, what are called the FIPS, the 1974 U.S. Privacy Act, the 1980 OECD Guidelines for the Protection of Privacy and Personal Data, which the U.S. adopted, along with many other countries, and which was voluntarily adopted by over 150 companies. Most of them are American companies. So there's a consistency here that people don't realize. So getting back to this upward turn, um, what are some concrete steps that companies can take today to become GDPR compliant, to respond to this? Right. So that takes us to the sixth phase of the seven stages of grief or seven stages of GDPR, which is the reconstruction and working through phase. I want to just highlight briefly three principal elements. One is the scope. The second one are penalties. And the third is general compliance. Many American companies don't realize the full scope of the GDPR. So you'll often hear companies say, hey, I don't, I don't operate in the GDPR. I don't have a, I don't have headquarters there. I'm not established there. I, you know, so it doesn't apply to me. But in fact, the scope of the GDPR is quite broad. So it applies if you're established, if you actually have business operations, a headquarters or offices within one of the EU member countries. It also applies if you offer goods and services to EU residents. And those goods and services can be free. So if you think about a website that offers horoscopes or, you know, any kind of service, take this survey and get whatever, you know, then the GDPR potentially applies to you. It also applies, and again, many don't realize this, the scope of the GDPR includes uh, if you are a company or an organization that uh, collects behavioral information. So today, almost every website is collecting behavioral information where you're clicking, how long you're on various places, and so forth. So the scope of the GDPR is much broader than most American organizations realize. So they need to take a good hard look at whether they fall within the scope of the GDPR. The second thing that I want to highlight are the penalties. There's been a lot of discussion about the 4% penalty. So GDPR adds new penalties for noncompliance or for violation of data protection laws. So there is a penalty of 4% 
of global turnover, so not profit or revenues, but global turnover, or 20 million euros, whichever is larger, for a number of infractions of the GDPR. There are also, for some other infractions of the GDPR, the penalty can be 2% of global turnover or a smaller amount. Um, so people are very focused on the money penalties, and those are, can be significant and can potentially drive companies out of business, American companies. But many uh, have said, oh, well, you know, again, they'll go after the big fish, Facebook, Google, they won't come after me, they won't notice me. But in addition with the penalties, which has not been much publicized, is that the national data protection authorities, now under the GDPR called the supervisory authorities, the SAs, have a whole suite of penalties they can also invoke. They can stop your processing of personal data if you're violating the GDPR. They can stop your transferring the personal data outside of the European Union to a third country. Uh, and they can also uh, stop your business operations or bring lawsuits against you. So they have a whole suite of enforcement abilities that have been largely gone under the American radar. They're right in the GDPR. It's not hidden, but people don't realize it. So again, a company might say, well, you know, again, I'm, you know, are they going to really come after me? Well, let's think about that for a minute. If you're operating in Luxembourg, and you're an American company that's been there for 30 years, and maybe you employ several thousand people, and you're well-known in the community, and you're not complying with the GDPR, you're a pretty big fish in the Luxembourg market. And the supervisory authority, the data protection commissioner in that country, is responsible for compliance with these laws. So suddenly, you're much more visible than you think you might have been. The final thing is compliance. It's very important for companies to get their arms around whether, you know, whether or not they are complying with the GDPR and what they need to do to comply with that. So those would be the three principal elements uh, that I would emphasize. First of all, are you within the scope? Second, to really understand the penalties. And third, to learn whether or not you are currently compliant. And if I had to guess, I'd say you're not. So it sounds to me like a lot of companies have a lot of work ahead of them especially around figuring out if they are compliant and then how to actually be compliant. How does the Brown University Executive Master in Cybersecurity Program help cybersecurity professionals protect companies in this new GDPR era? Well, the Executive Master's in Cybersecurity Program is inherently interdisciplinary. It was designed that way. So students learn technical measures. They, there's a human factors element. There's a legal and policy element. So again, inherently interdisciplinary. The GDPR itself is not just a law or conceived as something that's legal. It has within it requirements that organizations must have appropriate technical and organizational measures in place to provide sufficient security safeguards to protect the personal data that they hold or process. So again, interwoven throughout the GDPR are legal aspects, human factor aspects, and technical aspects that must be taken into consideration. I think for American companies, the final element of uh, the seven stages of GDPR and the seven stages of GRIP is the acceptance and hope. So many companies are now coming around to the idea that, hey, I, I had better pay attention to this. I better learn something more about it. Um, they have a basis for doing that. Again, in the United States, the FIPS, the Fair Information Practices, are something that are very well established and very well known. There were five basic elements to the FIPS turned into eight elements in the U.S. Privacy Act. So this is something that's well known in the United States. GDPR contains these elements. It contains very familiar elements. So it's really 
getting to know the legislation, making sure you comply with it. I would certainly advise companies to uh, get legal advice on this. But as of now, initially, there weren't really good guides. But now coming into the enforcement time, May 25th, there are quite a number of good, simple guides out there that the C-suite members can read to get a grip on this, board members can read, and then they can seek appropriate uh, legal assistance. Deborah, thank you for joining us today. You've helped clarify GDPR remarkably for us and given us hope and a reason to accept it. Thank you very much. Deborah Hurley is a faculty member in the Executive Master in Cybersecurity program at Brown. If you'd like to hear more, listen to our other episode with Deborah, where she talks about the Cambridge Analytica scandal from a legal perspective. To join our conversation, visit our website at brown.edu slash professional and follow us on Twitter at brown underscore SPS. Thanks for listening.